Well, I'll just jump into this has been one crazy week for me. Um, <laughs> we we went like all hands on deck, full full speed ahead on the basement, and um, so actually, I'll just go ahead and post this up and uh, in, in the chat here for our patrons, our lovely patrons. Um, but let me see here. The basement is now a clean slate, ready to be turned into a studio. Mm. Um, we did hire a crew. We did hire a uh, demo crew to do it. And I know I'll probably take some heat from people for doing that. But this is going to be the only part of the build process. I think that we're going to have like a crew of people come in and do it. Other than like an electrician and an HVAC guy and a plumber. Everything else is going to be myself, Jimmy, Tilly, and Chris. Framing, drywall, insulation, hanging windows, like doing everything in there. You're going to do drywall yourself? Yeah. Probably. I know. Ugh. I hate drywall. <laughs> I, I, I never, ever have to do it again. So. I've never done it. So I'm, I'm, I know, though, I know enough about it that I'm going to probably hate it. Um, we may get like one wall in and then I, I decide like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to hire a drywall drywall crew. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No, thank you. But no. there's th- the thing is like when it comes to a building a studio, it's not just like hanging drywall on a framed wall. It's especially when it comes to like drywalling the ceiling and trying to build some isolation in it's two, sometimes three layers of drywall that are different densities and are layered across at different angles so that the, the seams cross at parallel. There's all these things that you do for acoustic treatment reasons that, normal home construction you don't do um so explaining that to a drywall crew i'm sure they could do it but still um right anyways all that to say yesterday the demo crew uh ripped my cable line out of the ceiling <laughs> and uh that was great was working on a video and um completely lost on my internet so yeah i think uh you're dipped in potato right now because on on youtube you're looking a little fuzzy, so. What? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. But that maybe it's just my phone that's tripping the whole thing up. So probably. <laughs> Jeez. Let me let me run a speed test here. All right, I'm at I'm at 220 megabits down. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm hardwired into my uh, my router here. And uh, I'm I'm 30 megabits up, so it's probably mm. not me. That's weird. Maybe that when they fixed your internet, they just took all the wires and just twisted them together. <laughs> well, literally, like because the coax cable in the house is like it that my internet is run off of is basically original to the house, and it's oh, like a forty-year-old no. coax line, and it's literally hanging onto this junction box by like a few strands of copper. So Mm-mm. my entire connection to the outside world is literally hanging on by a thread. Maybe it's just being in that side of the screen because for those watching uh, on the Discord and, and our patron patrons, uh, we were inverted this week, but the YouTube channel, YouTube video will be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, but anyway. How's your week? Uh, you know, it started off with a bang. So uh, I've not talked about this publicly yet. And honestly, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but what the hell? Um <laughs> never stopped us before that's right so there's a supplier of mine that uh is is hanging 
hanging it up. They're, they're throwing in the towel. They're done. They've been in the game forever. And, um, they're, they're walking away. The owner's retiring. So what that means for me and everyone else in the pedal community that use them is it's full blown panic mode (laughs) and buying everything that is so crucial to our business up. And so, yeah, on Monday I bought, I won't say the dollar amount, but I bought over 15,000 knobs, uh, which it was crazy. It was, can we, can we say that on destiny the other night, I guessed the dollar amount exactly. You did. You were bang on. It (laughs) it was, it was the single biggest purchase, um, for the business I've ever made and and all in, in, on, on, I bought a couple rolls of wire, but it was, everything else was just knobs and it was the most money I've ever spent, um, for mythos in, in one setting. Do you want to so, say what kind of knobs they are? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> There's some so knobs got- I use <laughs> and some knobs I don't use because uh. I thought these are cool, but I did buy up those that have followed me. They know the knobs that I've, I, I've ran out of and they know, they know exactly what I bought the most of. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you bought all of them, right? Bought all of them. I bought over 6,000 of just one type of knob. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I, I said this the other night, but I think the smart move would be just to sit on it. And, and maybe we should talk about this too, because on one hand, this, this pisses me off. Uh, on the other hand, I think it's kind of a smart move, but just sit on them. And then, uh, you know, when other pedal builders need them, so like, all right, cool. Yeah. I'll sell them to you for three bucks a pop. Well, you know, the, the crazy thing is, um, with the, the some it's the wildwood knobs. It's these. It's it's it's. Oh, the little, you should have you should have left the. Uh, everyone the, in the chat knows it's it's these. Um, I I have the wait list, and this is I don't hide this. You know, number is over four hundred people, um, and those four hundred people have not given me or wildwood any money. They're just on a list. You know, they're just waiting. But the number of knobs I bought, you know, isn't is it, it can make most of those, uh, and a little bit more, but I mean, you know, it's just a, a fraction of what I eventually will need. So yeah, I just, I said, I have to have them. So, (laughs) but, but apart from that, we've just been, you know, working, working, working. And you know what I did last night? I get stuck in traffic on the way home. And what do I do? I'm sitting there. I get on reverb. I bought another tube screamer. Oh God. So we can finally do the mod thing and we'll have a normal one and a modded one. And, um, yeah. The video that's been over a year in the making that we've just completely shelved and, you know, it's all on me. And, but I found one for, it was an incredible deal on reverb with a box and stuff. So I just snatched it and I thought this will be fun. (laughs) I I forgot that I even, what, what even we're doing with that. So you'll have to remind me what the video is, but, um, you're going to have a yeah. normal tube screamer and then I'm going to take one and mod it to how I think you would like it, but it's still at its heart. It's going to be a tube screamer, um, you know, at, at the very core of its being. And uh, you're going to see, I want to, I want to see if I can get you to like what it. What the hell? Like this it. is a great, this is a great video idea. Why have it, why is it taking us this long to do this? This should because have been done. Because you wanted, you wanted me to film me modding it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause we're making a video that <laughs> that's know. like, 
<laughs> I, that's the hard well, part for me. <laughs> she's, she, do, you, do you want me to come up to Nashville and shoot it for you? That would be great. Yes. Oh, God. Okay. No, yeah. I, can, I can do it. Sweet. I have all this stuff. It's just like, a, it, it's just finding the time to do it. You know, it's just so... <laughs> It's Secondhand so sandwich in the chat just said, just put a blues breaker in a TS housing rep will still hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh I have some, some other ideas. I might, I might buy some, buy some more, buy some more and we may have a couple of tube screamers and I, I might Great. just leave them all. Uh, I might just put like a mark on the back. So I know which one it is and you won't know and just see, uh-huh. Oh, which one is it? Do a real yeah. blind study. And we'll just give them all away at the end or something. No, um, I want them all. I want to, Oh God! What do you need another four more tube screamers for? Just build a tube because screamer. I want one in every gig bag. In oh case. my God! <laughs> oh my God! Hey, so we should talk about this. This is not the subject we're going to talk about, but this is something I wanted to cover on our show. Um, for those of you that don't know, Novo has started a podcast, which we should link to. Um, they're yes. two episodes in, so we'll link it in the description of the video and the description of our podcast. Uh, it's Matthew and Devin of Novo Guitars fame. And uh, it's, it's been great. I've listened to both episodes so far and they brought up something on the second episode um, that we kind of talked about in our private destiny Two party. For, the, mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know uh, myself and Zach and a handful of other people play destiny Two just about every night on Xbox. And uh, it's, it's been a great hang. I suck at it and I don't understand how the game works, but it's You're still figuring it out. You're getting good. Uh, sort of. But on their podcast this week, they brought up the fact of people flipping Novos and specifically the the possibility of someone buying one of the Novo signatures and flipping that. So if you don't know Novo signature, uh, it's once a week, right? Every Thursday they post up a signature. Yeah, it, most of the time, if Dennis can finish it. Yeah, so Dennis, a, a Novo signature is a guitar that Dennis or DF uh, likes, DF. as he likes to be <laughs> called is a guitar that DF designs, builds, distresses, and it is his, it is a true Dennis built guitar. So my Solus that my wife bought me for, uh, my wife bought me for Christmas last year. This is a signature. So this is a Solus that you cannot, you can't get it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I'm in love with this guitar. So anyways, that's one of the coolest ones. That's one of the coolest ones, period. Oh my God. Yeah, of course. Um, So, they brought up the idea though of people flipping novos and specifically mm. the idea of like, cause the signature is the way they, they do it is they post it on their Instagram every Thursday. And it's basically whoever gets in, gets it first, gets it. And it's yeah. kind of a bloodbath. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. Tilly, Tilly almost didn't get this one and, and we knew that it was coming up uh, or she knew that it was coming up. So I don't know when I heard them talk about it, it sort of like kind of triggered me a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah. It sort of pissed me off, which I understand when someone buys something, it is theirs to do with what they please. And if someone out there is willing to pay, you know, an, a, an upcharge of thousands of dollars to have a Novo and have it now, that's their own prerogative. But the idea of somebody buying these guitars just to flip them really rubs me the wrong way. And I, I'm not really sure why. Well, we have such a personal connection with the brand, you know, because because not only I mean we've talked about this so much. Not only are these people people we admire and respect for their craft, and we had 
love the product, but we love them as people. And it feels, I think it feels like you're, you're sliding the brand when you do that. Um, Cause you know, sometimes you don't know someone's situation. They may have ordered the guitar. uh, Well, a signature is signature is different. Cause you know, yeah, I think the the ones you see flipped more often than not are like selects or uh, even the customs because people get them and then hell a year could pass and you don't know people's financial situations change and sure things happen. But like, yeah, the signature thing, I feel like the big shame of it all is that these guitars are so cool and really because of the internet speed, you know, at which whoever, whoever gets it first wins and you could just have the, the best connection and, and beat out everyone else. So like if, if that person gets it with the sole intention of flip, then all these other people who might thought that's the perfect guitar for me, that's a lifer guitar for me. Um, they don't have the opportunity to enjoy it. Or if they do, if they can enjoy it, they got to pay it a really high premium, which. Yeah. Blows. Yeah. It's, it's this weird situation, you know, and, and I, I'm not talking about someone, anyone that sells a Nova, I'm not talking about that at all. Like people have millions of different reasons for selling gear. Um, yeah. Everything from they've just grown out of it to they have to, you know, cover a financial situation or whatever. I'm specifically talking about someone that goes in to get the guitar strictly. And it's not just Novo. It's also, you know, like um, King of Tones, for example, people getting on the wait list to buy a King of Tones just to turn around and make 250 bucks or whatever on it. You know, I I just KTRs now clones KTRs this this weird thing that's happening in the guitar world uh, that. And, and I guess some of us here um, are, are partially to blame for talking about stuff on, on YouTube channels. Uh, but I don't know, man. It just, I guess my, my approach to guitar and my approach to buying an instrument, especially something like this, an expensive, like, this is a, a really tough thing. I mean, I've talked about it plenty of times before, but to, to buy my Sarah, uh, Sarah's J <laughs> took everything I had uh, to, to get my hands on it. And I think you're right. I think I do have an emotional connection to the brand. We're friends with the people behind the brand. Uh, we're, we're friends with the people that build these, these things and design them. And the idea of, uh, I don't know. It, it just, it's something that, that irks me a little bit. And, uh, I understand that's on me and Mm -hmm. it, it, it is anyone's choice to do with what they, they please. But, um, Man, if you're going to buy a guitar, buy a guitar because you like it and you want to play it. Don't buy a guitar because you want to flip it and make a little cash. Yeah. Yeah. And that have, that's happened to me, you know, people buying pedals and then selling them and you know, that may be, they just don't like it, which is understandable. Totally fine. But you know, yeah, it's, I I think ultimately we're emotionally connected to it and me even more so because I'm here every day and I see, I see these guitars before they go on Instagram and I get to play them like, Oh, you know, this one's really neat, you know? And yeah, you, you, you fall in love with almost every one. I mean, they're all fantastic, but every now and again, especially the ones that the signature ones, um, those are just like, they're, they're, they're cut above. Cause it's got, just got that extra DF love. You know, it's a, it's a Dennis, so. it's a Dennis guitar. It is Dennis mm-hmm. guitar. And, and that is really special. Um, you know, all the Novos are special. And, and whenever people ask me about them, because I have friends that ask me about them, I'm like, hey, are, I'm thinking about ordering one. Are they really that good? And I'm, uh, my answer is always the same, which is, yes, they are that good. Yes, you should get one because Dennis still has his hands on all the guitars that are leaving the factory. Um, yeah. And in one sh- way, shape or form, 
And uh, I truly believe that Dennis Fano will go down as one of the, the greatest guitar designers and builders of all time. Um, Absolutely. I, I stand by that statement wholeheartedly. What that man does, whether it's your thing or not, I know some people are turned off by the shape and whatever. It's totally fine. I get it. But um, just objectively as instruments and their quality and their sound and their playability, I truly believe they are some of the best instruments being made today. And um, yeah, whatever you got to do to get one without supporting these people that are <laughs> flipping them just to make a buck. Um, yeah. If it means you wait for one for a year, I'd, I'd say it's worth it. I would, you know. Yeah, and that, anytime someone messages me about it and they say, should I, here's here's one on Reverb, you know, for X amount, should I put in an offer? And I say, the first thing I say, is it what you really want? Yeah. And they go, well, I'd rather have this. I'm like, just buy one and wait. And then yeah. you're going to have the guitar that you want, you know. it's such, it, Absolutely. I don't know. I, I'm all about getting, like, getting something custom made and just just hanging around. And then, you know, when you get it, you're, you're, you're done. You're set. So yeah, exactly. And here's the thing to think about it. Even if it's a six month wait, nine month wait, 12 month wait, if it's the guitar that you want and it's, and you know, it's going to be a life or a guitar for you six years from now, when you go to pick up that guitar in your room and sit down and play it and it still excites you and it still like makes you excited to play and like catches your eye when you walk by it, like you're not going to think about, like, oh man, it would have been great if I could have had this guitar six month or six months earlier than I did. Right. Or yeah. eight months earlier than I did. It's not gonna matter. You know? So yeah, that's uh just a little tangent. Little little <laughs> tidbit, a little side shoot. Where what's our uh what's our rig we're gonna dip this week? I got it right here. Wait. Yes, here it is. Oh god. <laughs> Boom. There. Ooh. <laughs> so this is from uh, uh, Kevin O'Connor. Kevin. Uh, Kevin's got, he's got a 2016 Memphis ES335 satin, was a satin finished guitar. He buffed to a nice vintage shine. Beautiful. He's got a, a one of the brand new uh, Jason Isbell Tellies, really cool yep. guitars. And on his pedal board, Polytune, older Vox Wah. He's got one of my, my Mythos boost kits, a high road, a Herculean, a Keeley compressor, a phase 90 TC alter ego, uh, a Flint, a ditto. And his amp is a 66 basement with a two by 12. And he's running the eminence Alessandro speakers and, uh, also has a Weber mass attenuator. So this is like, Kevin, I mean, it's real good. It's this really is good. a really nice rig. This is a really good rig. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. This is, this is a man that, that knows, um, yeah, this is a guitar player that knows how to get my attention. Right. I mean, the the 335 and the Isbol Tele, which I haven't played one of those Tellies before. Have you? Not yet. No, no. They look great. Yeah, they do. The double bound sunburst of the Blackguard Rosewood board. Yeah, it's got Jason Isbol's name on it, which you know I already like. Yeah, I mean, just Tele Tele Customs. Because, uh, I mean, it's a custom, right? It's a double bound. Yeah. So... Uh, I mean, there's just something about binding on a, on a sunburst telly that is so immediately classic. It, yeah. It's great. Yeah. I love binding on a telly, it, especially the double binding on any telly on any color. It just really, really looks, looks fantastic. Uh, yeah. 335. I love the fact that you took the satin and buffed it up. That's a really nice finish that you don't see a lot. 
I'm I don't love super shiny guitars, especially like newer guitars. I like guitars that are a little bit worn in. Obviously, you know, this is the type of thing that I like. But um even non-relict guitars, I like them when the hardware is a little faded and the yeah. you know there's some play wear and some scratches and some dents and dings, and that looks really, really nice from the photo. Yeah, the the satin series um ES335s, and I've seen people do this with ES333s. I think they made those in satin. Those are like a in between like a studio and a normal standard model ES 335 style guitar. Um, I've seen people do that on forums. They polish them and it, it, it makes it more, it looks more like a VOS custom shop finish. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not perfectly buffed, but it's by no means dull. It's it, they look great. It's yeah. really, really a, a killer appearance. And you know, it's hard to beat a red 335. I mean, a telling a 335, it's like, <laughs> what can't you do? you know nothing, nothing. honestly yeah. nothing between a telly and a 335 nothing you've got all the bases covered between those two guitars two of the most yeah. versatile and usable guitars that have ever been made you've got both of them yeah it's a man of taste all right let's look at the board here pretty straight ahead you know got mm-hmm. got everything you need nothing you don't polytune i've got one i've had for god 10 years it's still going strong yeah uh mythos boost kit that's that's the first one that tilly and i built on a live stream like yeah. a couple years ago i think I, that was very that was a fun experience because you 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 asked me before you started how long does it take you to make one i said eh, about 30 minutes <laughs> it took you guys like a couple hours and i found it yeah very funny. yeah uh. <laughs> nice phase 90 straight ahead um let's see alter ego you know i've actually never played one of those I had one. It's, you know, it's just like a, a version of their, um, what's the, it's not the hall of fame. What's the delay one with all the different delays, uh, flashback, um, flashback. It's a flashback with different, uh, like echo sounds. So, cool. uh, it's, cool. it's like all actual vintage, like model after vintage delay pedals and, and echo units and stuff. Right. But he, right. he said it was kind of mad. I think they're pretty cool. So yeah. <laughs> uh ditto looper you know it does the thing and then high road self shill herculean self shill uh four knob compressor i mean we all know why you pick this this rig here you got two self shills in a row there (laughs) i mean it it, i i picked it i mean honestly the first thing i saw was the guitars in the basement but but i mean you know i'm proud of what i make shit Four four knob compressor towards the end of the chain here. I, I'm assuming it's towards well, the end of the chain. It may I, go I up. I think it might zig, zigzag up and down. Got it. Okay. Yeah, because I'm looking at it going right to left there. So uh four knob compressor, classic. Does the yeah. thing. Really good for that super squishy chicken picking country thing with a telly. They sound great. Um and I hope that's how you're using it, Kevin. I hope that's not an always on compressor. Okay. Um I'll have to deduct points if it's always on, but, and then the Flint, I mean, my God, I think one of the best pedals of the Flint, I think is a hall of fame, top 10 pedal period. Absolutely. There's, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can fault it. I don't think there's a bad sound in it. And for, I mean, people kind of moan about Strymon prices sometimes, but if you were to buy an individual reverb and an individual tremolo of that quality, you're going to spend way more than the Flint is. So just get the Flint. And the Strymon pedals are going to outlive you. So that's the thing about Strymon that I really dig. The build quality on them is insane. Noah has a Flint that's probably six or seven years old at this point now that he has beat the 
just ever loving snot out of. I mean, it's like worn. It looks relic, honestly, like the paint's nice. chipping and everything. It's dusty. It's been rained on. It's been dropped. It's been beat to hell. Still works flawlessly. And Sweet. personal experience, if something ever does break on a Strymon, uh, I had a knob ripped off to, ripped off of one of my timelines one time. Um, and I just sent it in. And a week later, I had the whole thing fixed and no questions asked. It was fine. Yeah. Anytime one would ever come back to the shop, they, they handled it like that. And it was very infrequent of all the pedal brands that, that we had at Carter's Strymon broke the least, I think. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, of, of like normal production <clears throat> pedals, you know, um, definitely broke yeah. the least. I agree. Strymon, I think is worth the money. So, oh, and, uh, Casey, this, this is Kevin who actually came by the shop with Casey Harris. And he said, uh, he t- told me to answer for him. The compressor is not an always on effect. So, all right, good. Thumbs up. Good man, Kevin. All right. Now the basement, my God. Yeah. You know that the basement, it, this model, a 66, it can do fender. It can do kind of a Marshall thing. You got the two yep. by 12, the big old cab. That's got the eminence Alessandro's. It's like, I mean, the, no, what more could you ask for? No, no more complaints. Now, uh, did he say if this one's modded or not? Because I know say. it's popular to mod this era of basement to get more gain out of it. If you are looking for more of that Marshall kind of sound, you can do a few yeah. simple mods to the circuit and get it there. But uh, I like them unmodded. Friend of mine, it is Hank not, it in is Nashville. Not modded. All right, cool. A friend of mine, uh, Hank Bourne in Nashville, who's an amazing guitar player, uh, had a modded basement for a while, and it sounded good. It just it was real gainy, like real, real gainy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I've seen where you can do the first channel, uh, I guess the the bass channel or whatever, and change that. It's more like a JTM style tone stack, and use the other side as a normal kind of uh, Fender sound. The the things that I've always noticed with vintage basements are not super bright. I mean, obviously it's a bass amp, but um, it depends on your guitar setup and your pedal setup. But I, you know, I, I don't really think you have to mod them because they have plenty of gain when you crank them because they're only like 35 yeah. ish watts they're not very loud i mean well right loud ish yeah yeah going back to last week's episode yeah so. what what <laughs> what <laughs> and then we got the weber uh, mass what is that mass 200 right there yeah so i can handle everything really yeah um dude and the, the weber the weber attenuators are cool like they they offer something that not every other simple uh, attenuator does is sometimes they have high cut or, or um, like a tone switch sort of thing that can bring back some of the life of the signal because, you know, they're resistant. I think most of these are resistor based attenuators and they tend to, yeah. So they tend to kind of dull things a little bit, but um, you know, uh, for I, I feel like, and I know you'll agree with me, most attenuation is best when it's, when it's very slight. Yes. Um, but having the ability to cover any amp wattage is always a useful thing. Yeah, that is the, the one downside of my um, Tone King Iron Man 2 mini attenuator that I bought several years ago. I love that attenuator. I think it sounds incredible. But the mini one, the version that I have, only goes up to like 30 watts, I think. If you have... yeah. Anything bigger than that, you have to buy the big boy, which is uh, a not as portable, and B is quite a bit more expensive. So, yeah. So here's I, the deal: I've plugged oh, one of those up wrong, and 
uh, man, do they get hot? <laughs> <laughs> Cook an egg on top of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, here's the deal. If, if we, if I was on a gig, right, let's say I was at, um, Rockwood music hall in Manhattan. One of the most stressful venues I've ever played, played it many times. <laughs> um, and I rolled up and the band that was playing either before us or after us that night, the guitar player's rig looked like this. I'd walk in and go, ooh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yep. Okay. I'll tell you what, I bet this guy's a hell of a guitar player. That's what I'd say. I'd say that. He better be. Kevin? Yeah. Kevin? And then I'd look around the bar. I'd look around. I'd say, all right, there's nobody in here yet. One of these like six people is probably this dude. Where where is he? Or girl. Could be a female. I don't want to be sexist. That's right. Uh, and then I'd find him and I'd go, hey man, you you playing guitar? Like, yeah, man. Dude. What year's that basement? 66. Nice. Ooh, nice. Is it modded? Nice. No. Ooh, nice. Here's that <laughs> 335. Oh, yeah. Nice. So here's the deal. I'm going to give this 9.5 shoils. I'm right there with you. I mean, the only thing that I would ditch is the compressor just because what? Just that frees up another power supply spot. But even I, then, it's like. The only thing I would change is the board itself. And this is so nitpicky. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. We lose Zach. Are you there? No, I'm here. Oh, you dropped out for a second. Um, the only thing I would change is the board itself. Yeah. I used to have a board like this where the whole top was Velcro. And first of all, it gets crazy dirty because all the dirt and stuff from your shoes and everything gets trapped in the Velcro. It gets kind of gross. Uh, and then you spill a beer on it and inevitably, and it's just disgusting. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually your pedals tend to kind of creep all over the board as you move them. And you have to kind of pull them up and put them back down again. I'd change boards. I'd get something a little more modern and I'd switch to dual lock. But other than that, I'm only deducting half a point. So 9.5 for me. I was going to give it a nine. I think it's a killer rig. You could cover any ground and um Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, bravo, Kevin. My God. That's a man of taste, man of class. He knows what he wants. Devin in the chat says, whoa, man, Rockwood Music Hall gigs. Talk about a stressful load in. That literally is the the most stressful venue, I think, at least I've ever played. It's insane. It's Lower East Side, Manhattan. Um, there's a green room the size of a closet that's shared between two or three bands for the whole night. It is. There's nowhere to park. You have a van and a trailer. Good luck. You can't park it anywhere. So what yeah. What do you do? What do you do in those situations? Uh, well, one time I played there four or five times. One time with Noah, our tour manager literally just had to drive around New York for four or five hours while we played the gig because he could not put the van anywhere or where he could park. It was like insanely expensive. Yeah. So it was like, well, we can either park the van or we can have a hotel for the night. So right. it's one of those situations, man. And, and I got yelled at in there for filming the bar one time. Like I just was on Instagram and I panned around and I got a shot of the bar and the dude behind the bar was like, Hey, we'll film the bar. Why? What your bar is not anything special. It's so if anyone it's from Rockwood is listening, uh, you guys need to chill out a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. they're not, yeah, no, they're not. Definitely not. So yeah, what are we uh, what are we talking about today? 
Well, I thought, you know, seeing as a few episodes ago, we talked about uh, pedals, must-have pedals, and I don't think we've ever taken the taking the time to talk about our favorite fuzz circuits, what we like, maybe what we don't like. And I thought we could just talk about our favorite fuzzes. Mm. Let's get into that. I'm here for it. And in fact, I've even set up a little board here with some of my favorite fuzzes on it. Oh, I say some of them because this isn't all of them. And and I'm a bit of a, um, you know, an equal opportunity uh, fuzz player. I like a little bit fuzz of everything. Employer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, someone post this up in the discord here so people can see what I'm rocking. We can put this up in the video. Um, so I put the little board together and I've got four pedals down Four of my favorites starting on the far right. Of course, Mark one tone bender. Hard to yeah. beat. How do you feel about the tone bender circuit? I love the tone bender circuit. I, uh, it's not something I've ever messed with as a, well, it's not something I've messed with a lot as a builder, but I've played quite a few of them and I, I do like it. And I think I prefer it to the fuzz face by a pretty wide margin. So yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I'll play mine a little bit. So I've got, uh, I'm going into my quad cortex here and I dialed up a little plexi sort of sound just real quick. So it's literally just two blocks, a, a plexi amp block and then a 412 a greenback block. Quite a bit of gain going on, but I can back off and clean it up a little bit. So here's the tone bender, just kind of how I have it set. Uh, and this is a Mark One, uh, the one that I bought at Macari's a few years ago now. Sounds like a tone bender. It's, I don't, this is going to be f- great in the video and the audio podcast, but in the live stream, it kind of <laughs> sounds like you're playing it through, you know, those big like tubes you can spin in the air. Kind of sounds like it's going through that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great. But I mean, to me, it's like, if I had to point to one fuzz sound, that's just like my general all-encompassing fuzz sound that I like for everything. It's a tone bender Mark one sound. Well, I think, uh, see, I, the thing I like the most about tone benders, cause to me too, like that is up there in your, like a, if you're going to have a collection of fuzzes, you have to have some sort of tone bender variant because unless you're getting like a Mark 1.5, which is essentially a fuzz face, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But pretty um, close to fuzz face. Yeah. The, the beauty of uh, a tone bender is it's three transistors. So it has one additional gain stage. So it's louder. The knobs, not on all of them, but a more of them more often than not, they're going to do something. Whereas yeah. maybe next you can play the fuzz phase because I feel like, you can get the the fuzz knob all the way up and then a little less than that. And then beyond that, the knob doesn't do shit. Yeah. So like, that's why I like tone benders is because the knobs are useful. Whereas on a lot of other fuzzes, it's like, why even have it? Yeah. It, so. And it's a pretty versatile pedal. So I like to run mine with the level and attack just kind of pointing towards each other like this. 
And this yeah. is sort of the range that I live right in, in this kind of area here and everything else I'm, I'm doing with my guitar volume. So the other thing I like about it is even going through an amp that's this gainy, that it still holds chords together pretty well. Like, clean it up a little bit a little bit so uh yeah tone bender mark one huge fan there's a there's plenty of different ones that you can get out there if you're looking for one that's a super accurate recreation uh that's not an actual sola sound macari's one that was insanely expensive with the original parts british pedal company does a yeah. really good one. And and my friend Kevin Kadish has the British pedal company version of this pedal. And I shot mine out against his. And this one has, you know, the real parts, the magic, you know, transistors and everything. Yeah. Um, and they are basically identical. I mean, they're, they are very, very close in tone. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's like a thing that we've, we've touched on in the past, but like, it's so, there's it's just like when you when you're buying these these fuzzes that are made like that that are either eyelet boards or, or terminal strips or whatever and they're built like the old way and so many people go, go through so great lengths to get mojo vintage parts um sometimes it's just you know buying new parts that are consistent that you can tune values to make them really work i mean british pedal company does a replica style pedal but they're not doing, you know, what the one you have does, which is using NOS parts, like literally yeah. NOS, not, you know, not new parts. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why this one was, uh, was an arm and a leg, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a cool story. And I had a, every yeah. time I look at that pedal, man, I think about running around Denmark street with my friend Phil and like trying to catch the train back to go to the airport. I mean, it was a whole day. So, and that's an investment too. I mean, like that level thing is going to, you know, it's going to always hold its value. I mean, yep. for so far as we know, but I feel like that, that is just one step under buying a vintage one. You know? Yeah. This is close. Well, and, can. and I bought it from aunt Macari at the yeah. Macari's shop, which unfortunately is no longer there. And you know, so it's, Are that's a very, very pedals? special. Yeah. Yeah. So sounds still okay. doing stuff. Yeah. Okay, they they cool. do a lot of cool stuff. Um, so, all right. Yeah. On to the next, you said the fuzz phrase. So, uh, if you check the picture I put back up, um, this is the jam pedals fuzz phrase, and this is like a fuzz face. And I've got basically the level and gain all the way up, right? Because this is pretty much how you run a fuzz face. Yeah. I do love a fuzz face. I I like them when they're done well, and Jam makes a, a very good one. But normally, I just think, yeah, I like. I just want something different when it comes. Why? To, what, what is it? What is it about a fuzz face that that you don't do? I don't like. Okay, <laughs> controversial topic. Uh, <laughs> controversial take. Everyone goes on and on about how well a fuzz face cleans up, and it does. 
but it changes your sound. And unless that's part of your sound, I don't like it. I, I, I want a fuzz to clean up and sound like it's not even there at all. Like the golden fleece. And to me, the golden fleece is like the, the approximation of a fuzz face and a tone bender rolled together because it cleans up, but it has a little bit more of an aggressive thing all while not radically changing your tone when you roll it back. But I don't like how limited they are in control. Um, voicing wise, they're, they're usually okay. I prefer a silicon to a germanium fuzz face, but I, I don't know. They're, They're just, I've never played one except for a few vintage ones that really made me go, oh, that's what I like. So let's talk about that for a second. Silicon versus germanium for those who are uninitiated, mm. because this this subject is something that confused me for a really long time. OK, yeah. Silicon versus germanium in transistors. So what, what are we uh, what are we talking about here? It's just the material at which the transistor is made of. You know, they're made of a, you know, the 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 thing that makes a transistor amplify is, is a different component. But well, let's well, back up. What is what is a transistor and what is it doing in a fuzz circuit? Okay, so a transistor is is an amplifier, essentially. It's it's um, it just amplifying in the circuit. And how in most fuzzes were that works is it's uh, they're typically in vintage ones. There are transistors that amplify and hit another transistor, which when mixed with other components, it causes distortion or fuzz and blows out your signal. But the both of them, germanium, silicon, they're doing the same job. They're just made of different things. And they do have inherently different sounds, but it's ever so slight. And I, I firmly believe that you can make a silicon fuzz sound just like germanium with engineering tricks. <laughs> so why is... Uh, and, sorry, go ahead. No, I just said that because like... And no one would be the wiser if you if you did that, so... So why is germanium sort of regarded as the superior transistor material for fuzz circuits? Because that is a thing in the guitar community, which is like, oh, it's like I was just talking about it with my tone benders. Like, oh, it's the real deal germanium transistors. So yeah, why, why well, do we do that? Because, I mean, it's just like it, it, it's part of the the it, the zeitgeist. Is that the right word? Like, you know, um, it's like a PAF. It's it's like uh alnico it's all those those things that people know that they don't understand why the vintage things had it but they did and germanium transistors that's what all the original stuff had so that's what they think it should be which you know is a fair point but a pedal is not one part in and of itself it's a combination of things yeah there you go so. also germanium is susceptible to temperature change so if you've got a germanium yes. pedal like this uh, fuzz phrase and like the tone bender, <clears throat> it sounds a certain way here. But if I was, for instance, to have this pedal on a board at an outdoor show, my fuzz would sound different. It wouldn't sound like it does in this this setting here. Yeah. And and <clears throat> everything is susceptible to temperature fluctuations in a, in very small ways. But germanium um, is really, really sensitive. And there is a great video that Analog Man I think he posted it on Facebook. He might he might have shared it on Instagram if he has an Instagram. I can't remember where I saw it. Where he has a dying germanium transistor and he takes compressed air, turns it upside down and blows it on it. And when it's super cold, it works fine. And then as it warms back up to room temperature, it starts to 
fall apart and not work. Um, this one had, had stopped working at normal room temperature, but you can, you can literally hear how temperature affects it. And it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And of course there's this Eric Johnson myth that he put his fuzz face in a freezer, you know, all that stuff. Yep. Oh, myths, guitar myths. Yes. Yeah. I've wanted to do a video like guitar, like busting guitar myths, but, uh, I need a whole team of people to help me out with that. But the thing I like about the fuzz face is it's the classic, you know, it's that kind of sound. It's also the. favorite david gilmore solos of all time that was a that was a fuzz face into a power or a color booster i think into uh either a high watt or a fender twin there's some there's some um there's some debate online whether or not he used the high watt on that solo or a twin reverb and he totally had a univibe on on oh yeah Yeah. i think so which has a preamp and it amplifies, so you know there's a lot of. But at its core, that that fuzz tone for the solo from Time is a fuzz face, in in yeah. its pure glory. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh yes, thank you for the Adam Savage gif. It, <laughs> it warms my heart. It really warms my heart. So, um, yeah. What do you? Uh, what, what's one of your favorites here? We've talked about two of mine. What's a well, favorite I, for you? The one that I didn't see on your little your pedal board there was a big muff, and you know. I think a lot of people, um, like my age and, 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 and people around my age probably first saw big muffs in the musician's friend catalog where there was a write up about it being the Santana, the smashing pumpkins, like all these different tones. And immediately, you know, I think most of us were like, Oh, that's that sound. But there's so many different versions of that pedal. And I, I really do love it. It's it is one of those pedals though that if you have the wrong one and you show up to a gig or you're jamming with friends and you kick it on, you disappear yeah. <laughs> into the the mid scooped nothingness, and um, everyone in front of your amp gets pummeled and hurt, but you can't hear yourself at all. But I, I do really genuinely love a really good big muff because it, out of all the ones that you're showing on your board and, and most like vintage fuzzes, it's got a lot of stuff going on it's pretty complicated it really does there's a lot happening now to be fair to be fair if you uh if you reference my photo you will see the brown amplification t4 I, at the top right the of the corner. picture yeah so honorable mention on my board from the because that is on my my studio board right now yeah. um next to the olympus self show mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah so I, I too enjoy the big muff circuit, but the thing about big muffs is that for me, there's so many of them and there's so much lore around them, like the Russian and then the different fonts and the different eras. And also that I can't keep up with what's what and what sounds like and who used, which one's the Jack white one, which one's the Billy Corgan one, which one it, to me, it's a little too complicated. I don't get that in depth into, you know, like our, our friend Josh Scott or even you get that in depth into like, who played what and all the different eras and all that stuff. So, well, I, yeah. And that's not something I have ever truly cared about that much about most things. It's like, I, I've, I've always tried to say like what works best for me and, 
and just worry about that. Cause I, I love the, the Russian, the Saab tech ones. Um, I think they're great. I think they sound really good. I think that they have a little less, uh, a little more mids, a little less fuzz going on. They hit their feel just like thicker. Um, but I love the Rams head. I've played some triangle big muffs and they're, they're all, they all have their place, but it is, they vary so wildly that, I mean, not the modern ones, of course, but right. if you were to go and get a bunch of old ones, you, you might have two that were made a month apart and they'd sound like different pedals entirely. So it's, it's, it just, I mean, all fuzzes, they're a journey and you have to go on that, that but journey and figure out what you like. That's what I like about fuzzes though. There, there, yeah. there's this, um, I don't know. There's just the feeling I get about them. Like I'm not a collector, but I think the closest thing I have to a collector's mindset is just fuzz pedals. <clears throat> I love fuzz pedals. Sure. I love how everyone's a little bit different and the circuits are all, even if the circuits are similar, they can be completely different animals. Um, yeah, just really, I think I have more fuzzes than any other thing. Yeah. in in the pedal. Yeah shelf back there so man I, I have all overdrives i i don't did i mention on the podcast how many pedals i have i think you did but remind us for those who are new yeah well it was over a hundred and only five of them were delay and i have like three or four modulation and then everything else is overdrive and only a few of those <laughs> are fives <laughs> my so, god it's so <laughs> stupid Oh, all right. Let's uh, let's move on to my next favorite. This is a hands down favorite for me, the Jex Teles Canyon Climber. This was my what first Jex Teles pedal. So it is a clone of a Japanese, uh, I believe, the Companion Fuzz. I always get confused uh, on this. Um, it is it is weird. Here it is. It is a companion, the FY2. But it's it's modded in such a way that it has a, uh, I believe, an op amp boost in it because one of the common problems with the companion is it actually cuts your signal. So he has a, a yeah. control on here um, that will take the amp out of the circuit and you can hear what it sounds like. I'll play it um, clean. And this is with both knobs all the way up. This is the only way to run this pedal, like a fuzz face. Both knobs all the way up. The controls are called biofeedback and nature and i'm not uh-huh. sure which one is like volume and which one's fuzz i can't really tell i just run them all the way up so here's the amp and then here is the fuzz in vintage companion mode I love it, man. It's it's spitty and weird and farty. It doesn't track chords. Like you really can't play anything other than a power chord because it it'll just completely blow your signal apart. Right. But it adds so much um to your sound. It adds so much weight. One of my favorite things to do when I'm using it to record with or using it on a gig is to sit and play one note lines and either double the bass line 
or just hit the root of a chord because it's filling up so much space that it just tucks in there really nicely and it adds a nice element. It's, mm-hmm. It sounds great on bass as well for a really crazy fuzzy bass sound. Um, they're really, really cool, man. If you're into yeah. that kind of thing, the funky, weird, out there sort of fuzz, the Canyon Climber is one that's worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the Jex Tillez stuff is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Bob. Bob over there at Jex Tillez is a bit of a mad scientist, man, what, what he does. <laughs> um, the one, one other one that I didn't put in here, but because it's on my other board and I didn't want to take it off, is the Jex Fox, which is his version of the Fox Tone Machine, which is another favorite of mine. Um, That's probably my favorite octave fuzz um, out there. I play it all the time. I love the way it it breaks up with the octave. It's it's a really special thing. I like it more than an Octavia um, or anything. So yeah, it's a different different way of achieving that octave. And I like I like that that style. It's not it's not too dissimilar from the Argo, which is like a prescription the prescription electronics clean octave blend. It's kind of a similar idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's next for you? I guess. I guess the next would be my Argo, actually. I mean, because I love how that thing works. Because it's the octave is ever ever present. Um, you can use it's got a clean blend on it, so you can balance out how much octave fuzz or just clean octave up you want. And it's loud because it has a boost, it has a you know a boost circuit in it. So it's it 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 solves a lot of the problems that some other octave pedals, especially Octavius, have, and they're not that loud. They don't. They just kind of have the sound and that's it. And I like having a clean blend on that because you can really let it sit right behind your notes. And just every now and again, you'll get, you'll hear it poking out, but I love Octafuzz. I like using the Argonaut uh, with other things like the Golden Fleece to really get it to have an octave up sound, but the Argo and, and the clean octave blend pedals like that. I, I really like that style of fuzz circuit, which is something that I think definitely pushes you to play guitar differently. And that's ultimately when you're exploring pedals, what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, man. Octafuzz is, is a really, really special thing. Just, it almost deserves to stand on its own as an effect. Like yeah, even separate from fuzz in a way, because at least for me, it completely changes how I approach the guitar. And my favorite way to run an octafuzz is like, with a neck pickup, a humbucker neck pickup with the volume rolled to like four or five to where you get that octave coming through, especially on the Jex Fox where the octave is really prominent. And it kind of, depending on what intervals you're playing, you can get into this crazy sort of ring modulation territory and this really metallic bell sort of thing that starts to happen. And then you throw some reverb and some delay on top of it. And dude, you're, you're off in outer space before you know it, doing all kinds of crazy shit. I love it so much. That's what uh, Greg Cock called the uh, steel drum from hell sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect way to describe it. It's a steel uh, drum from hell. Yeah. Yeah. And well, last on the board, you've got a little tasty treat from JHS. Yeah. So speaking of Octafuzz, I've got the, uh, the Supreme on here. So once again, here's my clean tone. is cool because it's super gated (laughs) 
it sounds like my guitar weighs six tons. Oh, so good. Oh, man. Because that's, that's a super fuzz, right? Yes. Yes, that is a super fuzz. Now, that was yes. with one of the mod switches engaged. Here, the pedal is just in normal mode. Completely different sound. Yeah. I like Dude, that one. <clears throat> I like it a lot. And and you, it'll it'll do a thing if you... So that's with my volume oh. down to like three, four. Kind of gets into that steel drum sound. <laughs> I've never even looked at a super fuzz schematic. So I'm going to... Sorry, I'm just going to sit here and noodle for the rest of the time. It's so yeah, it's, ba- it's based off of Super Fuzz, which is a famous vintage fuzz. And to find a real one, to find an old one that's in good condition, I mean, you're going to pay big, big money for one. This is what I appreciate about what Josh has done with the um, the Legends series is all of these, all four are pretty tough, unobtainable sort of fuzzes that yeah. they basically just cloned and put into affordable accessible reliable gigable boxes and you can yeah. have the sound i think that's super uh, cool matt bennett uh said what's what fuzz is your go-to when you play slide and, and michael 71 said but does it give you a, a better slide tone uh <laughs> so people want to know what your slide tone is i mean it goes without saying that anything gives me a better slide tone than josh scott i mean it's like <laughs> i don't i don't even understand why this is a, a debate still i mean you know, people on the internet are going to argue, but like, it's it's not even a subjective thing that my slide sounds are superior in every measurable way to Josh Scott's, even when I use his own pedals. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it just is what it is. So, uh, to, to answer the other question, what fuzz is your go to when you play slide? Whatever is on my board, really. Um, I yeah. don't typically play slide with like an octave fuzz because. With octave fuzz, I think it's, you know, I like to do a lot of, um, like, double stops. Uh, and it's also a lot about, like, taming your um, your strings and really focusing on yeah. playing, you know, not having a lot of, like, open strings ringing out and, and things like that. It is, it's interesting how some octave up circuits will... Um, will gate like not in a uh like gated fuzz like a spitty way but just they literally will gate like your your signal which is sometimes really handy um, yeah and uh yeah man dude i love i i love the clean octave up sort of thing like the green ringer which is you know not if that's what the argonaut is a modified version of that and what that does because it kind of makes a fuzzy thing you know but yeah. uh not too long ago, Josh Smith um, posted a video of him playing with the Argonaut and just clean. And oh man, because he he does everything with it on. Because yeah. unlike some octafuzzes where it only really starts to happen higher up on the neck, everyone knows yep. neck pickup higher up on the neck. The Argonaut and any Green Ringer style circuit happens everywhere on the guitar. 
So you can be playing real low and it's just going making weird sounds. (laughs) Yeah. Plus anything that Josh Smith plays sounds phenomenal. God, he could play a rubber band, you know, on a stick (sighs) and it would sound better than me. He, oh my God. He's one of those guys that when I watch him play, I think it's just not fair. It's not fair that someone can play like that. (sighs) Oh, Another great, great question from Matt Bennett. Rhett, do you bother with carbon batteries or no? Why aren't you asking me any questions, Matt? <laughs> do, you, uh, <laughs> uh, do, do you run your fuzzes on batteries or do you go no. power supply? Yeah. No, I, because here's the deal. I don't care. And batteries are a pain in the ass. You got They die and then you got to replace them. Like my, the tone bender doesn't have a nine volt outlet, obviously. Of course. So yeah. it runs on a battery and I... <sighs> Then you have to remember just to un- unplug it and you got to remember it. it's a pain. But I don't want to have to worry about that. Just, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. You know, I know well, Vertex makes the, or he used to make those, uh, the battery box power supply thing. I think that's a pretty yep. trick solution. Yeah. And Jesse Davey, King Tone, he makes one. Yep. Yep. I think um, that's a pretty cool thing. I might would run on a pedal board, but uh, then you got to buy nine volts and you got to carry them with you everywhere and just says pain in the ass. I don't want to do that. Um, well, you know, what's interesting and something that, I don't hear people often talk about, but the the whole carbon, uh, you know, the non-alkaline batteries, the old school batteries. Um, one of the reasons why they'll sound different right out of the pack is they're more than nine volts oftentimes. So they'll be running like sometimes 10 volts. So in a circuit like a fuzz that's so hypersensitive, um, like when you put in that, uh, carbon zinc battery, non-alkaline battery, you, you hear it sounds like, whoa, this sounds crazy different. It's getting more voltage. And in a, something so simple, one volt or half a volt or a quarter of a volt can make a big difference. Whereas alkaline batteries are usually right at nine volts, like consistently. So, Is there a uh, power supply that allows you to dial up the voltage? I know the Pedal Power 2 Plus allows you, has two outlets that have the SAG control. Yeah, but is there a power supply that lets you go the other way where you can kind of like juice it a little harder? Uh, maybe. I mean, to me, having repaired so many pedals that people have blown up, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's a great idea. Come on. Well, unless you run a clone or derivative. Um, but I mean, I guess you might be able to find some that are, you know, like a 12 volt that you could trim down. Uh, but I think there are people that make like inline sag controllers uh, which you could put in between like an 18 volt jack and your pedal and you could dial it way down or, or, you know, in between there. Cause you know, overdrives and some fuzzes sh- should work at higher voltage, but please read up on this before you plug in your pedals. Nah, man, anything over just do volts. it. Just do it. Come on. No, 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 no. Don't be scared. Um, pedal builders. I apologize for what Rhett is suggesting. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, take my advice at your own risk. Right. Well, I'm gonna I put that. You know, I think we've channel. covered covered a lot. I think we've. Yeah, and to finish up, let's play all four fuzzes at one time. Oh.
It just sounds like you've got a flanger set on your stream. So we'll, I'm excited <laughs> to hear it on the, on the actual recording. Matt yeah, Bennett, did, he just asked me, does size matter when it comes to fuzz? No, no. Well, yeah. obviously, uh, yeah. I mean, bigger cases make for better fuzz. That's why our case is going to be massive. We're going to sell you a rack mount fuzz. The Shoyles fuzz is going to be like a 2U 19-inch rack mount fuzz oh unit. Oh, my God. And it's going to have a PCB this big in it. Yeah, yeah, with a foot switch on the front panel. So you have to either, like, kick it. You have to put it low in your rack and, like, kick it. Or you have to yeah. push it. Dude, I'm telling you, man. I got ideas, okay? You, I, I, I hear that. Well, do you have a shill of the week? <laughs> Jeez, I hear that. Um, You know what? I do. I do have a shill of the week. Oh. Uh, it's, it's this thing that I bought last week called a Stream Deck. Oh. And uh, it's from a company called Elgato. I'll have to post up a picture of it here. Yeah, those and are it's a little controller thing, and it's used mostly in like the live streaming com- community and Twitch community and things like that. But um, I got it to help out with my live streams. But when I got it, I realized what all you could do with it. And it is, mm-hmm. if you're a type of person that works on your computer a lot and you're working in programs like editing or you're you know even taking Zoom calls, which we're all doing nowadays. Something like this little stream deck is super useful to have just right here on your desk because it takes so many things and puts it on just one button. And you can do these like multi-layer actions so you can set it up to say, okay, I want to hit one button and I want to have it open my email, my Google Chrome, Zoom, these four programs. And I I have Philips Hue lights in my room and I want it to turn the lights on and turn them to a certain color. Like you can do all that stuff just on one button. Yeah. Um, they're really cool. They're really useful. If you're a video editor, they work with like Final Cut and Premiere and stuff like that. Um, and it's honestly kind of, it's been fun to mess around with and it's sped up my workflow a little bit. Yeah, I I kind of want one uh, just because for that, for mainly for that reason, for adi- having shortcuts for all my programs. So whenever I, I'm doing a, um, like design work or whatever, I can just push a button, go over to, you know, my schematic files and stuff like that. Yeah, seems great. Yeah. Well, cool. I have, a shill, a pedal that I've never owned that I wish I, I've, I've always thought I should own one of these. So this is the Tim Yarnig luxury drive. Uh, Oh yeah. These, yeah. 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 Which mm-hmm. you guys have probably, you've seen probably the T-Rex version of this, but this is the OG one that, that Tim makes. Um, Tim makes the gristle King for Greg cock and uh, a lot of other great pedals. He's, he's a wizard, but this is a clean boost. And there's a there's a version of it in the Gristle King which I always enjoyed, but I got this and plugged it up. This was this was one of those things I I was looking at it on Reverb and thought I'll put in a I'll put in a, an offer and the guy accepted it and I was like, well, I didn't mean <laughs> to buy that, but I guess I did. <laughs> um, it's amazing. It's a JFET clean boost all the way down. It just adds a little life to your signal, and then as you turn it up, it just gets loud and beautiful and fat. Mm. Uh, this is good. I really love this. And I, I sent a message to Tim and said, Hey, we should work on something together because I've loved all the pedals I've ever owned of his, which is, has, which have been quite a, a few. So hold on, get a, get a luxury drive, which before he still we makes have, them. before we have the influencer effect on reverb, I'm going to do a little insider <laughs> trading here. I think there's uh, one on there for like 65 bucks. Oh, so. I'm buying it right now. Yarnig, I can figure out how to spell luxury. J A E U R N I G, I believe. Oh uh, boy. 
Where is it? Why is my phone not working? Hold on. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'm gonna. Hell yeah, eighty man. bucks. T. Oh wait, that's a, that's the T Rex. That's version. the T Rex version. I would not okay. buy the. T- oh, I don't think I spelled that right. But yeah, luxury <laughs> drive. His last name is hard to spell. But um, the the T. So T Rex. Oh yeah, here we go. For a time, here we go. Um, I would not bucks. buy the. Yeah, I wouldn't buy the T Rex one. I would buy one of the older ones that Tim actually made. Um, and it's it's real good. It's real okay. good. There we go. If you like clean boosts, I think I think you'll enjoy it. And it is what? Wait, party. Sorry, this listing is not available for purchase. What? I just clicked on it. Oh. Boo. All right, I'm going to figure this out. Did somebody buy it before me? I think someone did. Oh. Uh, I think John. No. I think John got John. It. John in the chat. Did you get it? He did. God. I mean, like, so there's a, there's, there's a newer version that has, uh, John. Oh no, it says kidding. Huh? Well, wait, well then how, hold on. Let me try this again. He says he did. This item is sold. Somebody just got it. That's bananas. Wait, maybe, maybe, hold on. Let me check my email. Maybe it like, did you buy it? Maybe I bought it and it, there, there's a newer one in here that has a new sticker and it's is a little uh, different looking like aesthetic. Dude, I prefer this one. I think this one looks great. Somebody just oh my god. Okay. That's crazy. Send me Matt, the link. Matt Bennett bought it. Matt. Oh <laughs> uh, well. <sighs> we should probably call it before you get angry and lash out at our fine friends on the internet here. <laughs> Rhett internet's Rhett's internet barely works. Let's play John. All right, yeah, let's get off of here before I... Okay, all right. Well, goodbye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thanks for watching, listening.